episode 72 of the MetroFan TV rundown coming to you live off of, um, honestly, probably the most embarrassing result in club history. I don't think there's any way A to spin it. Uh, 5-1 loss in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal to Orlando City SC, right? Considering the context and considering how the game transpired, I, I don't know how else to put it other than that was, I don't know. That was a that 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 was just I don't know, I would probably say the worst result in con in context since I started watching this team. I gave it more so than Santos Laguna. I would probably say, like I don't know. Uh, I would really like someone to um, present with me an alternative as to um. An alternative answer to that, but as far as I'm concerned, I mean, like that—that—that's that, just completely unacceptable. <laughs> the absolute state of things right now. I am here to discuss the absolute state of things at this club right now. With me is Juan Escalante. How are you coping with the results of last week? Hi, Lens. Uh, my my mind is my mind is blank. I'm trying to uh, practice mindfulness and just not remember. The result at all, but now I am remembering the result, and I'm upset again. Uh, I mean, we the, the, there's uh, there's no avoiding it. Basically, there's no I avoiding think, it. Unfortunately, it's going to be the it's going to be the topic at the front of everyone's minds. Probably, I mean, like I I don't know how else to spin it. I mean considering colored in slightly as well the fact that you know we the, there was a relatively decent performance that was uh got us to win on the road against austin just like like in you know, a few days before but i mean i don't know what else you could possibly put <laughs> other than that second half being a complete capitulation right i mean uh one thing to be one thing to be sucked in the mouth right after you uh, took the lead off a pretty well-worked goal, if you ask me. But, you know, um, but, you know, I mean, there's no real reason, I think, to not think that we could have gotten a result at a birth to the final, just based on how we've played this Orlando team previously with almost the exact same lineup in the same stadium and uh you know the exact same lineup in the same stadium and more or less the same tactical setup on paper right i mean it was also three at the back sort of three five two kind of thing the only difference between this team and that team i would probably say is what i think uh well, tom edwards we didn't have tom edwards that's yeah, about it suspended. right I mean, that's um, it's sort of where we're at here. You know, I, I do think that talent was there to get a result, yep. to go to a final specifically as well, which we would have now, as we found out, we would have hosted against Sacramento Republic. And I don't know how else to... There's no, there's no real way, real way of spinning it, if you ask me, other than that fucking sucks, right? And it's just such an absolute. Uh, 
probably I would say the most <laughs> blackpilling result we've had in quite some time. You know, I, 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 I do not believe <laughs> what I saw in that second half. Yeah, I, I, I do not believe that it's you know. And you know, I, 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 for the like of me, do not believe that it's like one of those things where it's like a young, inexperienced team losing your heads at all, in a way. I mean, like, sure, that maybe that kind of plays a part into it. But you look at the average age of this team, right? But not just the average age, but the average amount of uh, professional minutes, games professional played, games, right? Yeah, t- average age of what, 24, 25, which is about, I don't know, probably the median nowadays. Each of over a hundred league appearances per um, each of over, over I think of over a hundred league appearances, right? And then on top of that, like you add in the fact that they found themselves in similar situations earlier in the season, right? Uh, right. We have gutted out, come from behind victories. We have ground out really chippy wins, tough tough games away from the road. Closed out against SKC, closed out against New England, closed out against, uh, you know, I'm sure the whole bunch, uh, closed out against even Austin, right, just a few days before. We found ourselves in tough situations like this, and we've always found a way to just kind of grind it out to the end, right? Because, so, if mentality plays a part in it, you know, maybe it does to a degree, but I personally cannot pin anything that happened on that second half more than just some absolutely inexplicable management decisions, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. It all boils back to the manager again, right? I'm pretty sure. You know, like, um, first the formation change, and then, like, you know, like, this infuriating, like, tendency when we're chasing a goal, right, to take all of our creative slash best, like, mo- most attack-minded players off the pitch. Like, what are we supposed to make of this shit if every single time, right, you're taking, I don't know, the likes of Klimala Morgan, even Omir off after, like, 55 to 60 minutes, right? You're chasing a goal and you're putting on the likes of Tom Barlow, who we know who his limitations are at this point, right? People will be like, oh, he had to make a change, surely. But does that involve having to take off Klimala every single time, especially in a game like this where he was very clearly our best attacking threat for most of the game? But but this might be an important thing. What if he was saving Klimala uh, for the Barcelona friendly? I'm gonna KMS, you know. <laughs> I I <laughs> it would have been like the peak Struber move and I'm and I uh, I I'm not sure if this happened because I didn't watch a single minute of that friendly, right? Because I couldn't give No, like shit. we were like we were like, right. yeah, watch him start Klamala Andrew Yearwood, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, you know, I mean I'm looking at the lineup right now, right? Because I <laughs> I didn't watch the game, dude. Like I yeah. <laughs> I was I was out there playing soccer in real life, <laughs> rather than watching this shit. And I had a very good Sunday morning as a result of that. I'm not gonna lie nice. to you, right? It was a it was a very um, it was a very it was a very productive use of two hours. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and then I went on and enjoyed the rest of my day 
um, to say and to circle back to, uh, you know, I think um, this Orlando game, right? I mean, how can you even, how can you how can you justify this kind of stuff, right? I mean, like, surely putting Klimala on for ninety minutes will probably give you more of a goal threat up front, especially right. with the way that he was playing. Then sending it was Tom very Marlo- telling. Yeah, it was very telling that um, seeing you know RBNY Twitter and the fan base is just like people who probably don't rate Klamala as highly as we do. Even they were like, Klamala was having a tremendous game. Why did Struber take him out? I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, like the goal, like 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 it's stuff like this that's just an indication, right? It just doesn't matter at this point whether Patrick's playing good or Patrick's playing bad at this point. Right, you know, and people will be like, "Oh, okay." Thinking this is like people want to see the Klimala defense squad this, Klimala defense squad that. I don't know how you could possibly defend these, continue to defend these decisions. If you ask, ask me, if there's anything that's been shown to the players is that it doesn't actually matter whether or not like um, they're playing well or not, or they're actually showing anything in attack. It was the same thing with the Lewis Morgan substitution, right? Right. The rationale for that was that apparently he wasn't contributing enough to defensive pressures. But he scored us the fucking goal that put us up there in the first place in me. Yeah. Right. We're chasing a game. He's our leading goal scorer in the year. And also like, he was in that position in the first place because you didn't like it in the like <laughs> like yeah. you made the tactical shift in the first half to move him from right wing back to uh to left midfielder and like I don't it's it's hard. Like usually, I come into these games with like looking at the stats and the underlying numbers to sort of paint a picture, uh, as opposed to just making like these qualitative statements. But one, there's nowhere that really has data, uh, the the heavy data for for US Open Cup games. But uh, mm. and but also like five one, who who cares? <laughs> it all gets thrown out the window. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the scoreline speaks for itself, doesn't it? <laughs> In these kinds I of mean, cases. there were. It's like. I think we were all just like wondering, like, yeah, he's gonna like when is he gonna take Klamala out of this game? And lo and behold, he does it in in what he gives Klamala an hour, an hour, an hour and six minutes to play. And it's not to like compare Armist and Struber or like whatever like the the vibes, the prevailing vibes are of now. But like, not even under Armist did I ever feel like did I ever question if the manager even wanted to win this game? Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, 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 as a result of that as well, right? It, he kind of ends up speaking out of both sides of his mouth, right? This is supposed right. to be a learning opportunity and a learning experience, but you're also yanking players all over the field because, like, because, like, because, like, uh, it doesn't seem like you really know what you want out of them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand how yanking players off the field regardless of how they're performing or how they've contributed in the game, is supposed to build a cohesive environment for learning or whatever, right? And if it's you're all... coming into a team based on this reputation that you're like some like great youth manager and you're, you're going to get built up players, like I don't see how you're like building your guys up by just like giving, like reprimanding them in public Constantly and yanking them in them important under games. The bus. Yeah. Exactly. Never taking the blame for literally anything you've ever like for any misgivings, any misfortune that this team undergoes, uh, uh, taking in all the credit basically when things go right. We don't even get the satisfaction of like, you know how like when, when people started detecting the pattern of like Jose Mourinho, when he would like say crazy things to the media, like, Oh wait, 
Chelsea lost the game. So he's saying crazy things to deflect blame off his players and onto him. So he's the headline. Like, Struber doesn't even get to do that. And maybe that's because he barely learns English. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, this is the conundrum for me, right? Uh, and and this is, I think, uh, one of those things where I'm going to avoid like a really, like really striking at this communication thing because I don't want to like I, I got to be really careful of how we phrase this argument, and I don't want to lean into you know this whole in a rough generalizations about like you know whether or not English speaking ability plays a big part. But the simple fact of the matter is that I think it's not just the language capability, right? But also the way that he phrases certain things. Right. Like, and it's always kind of talking about how, and it kind of comes off this way, right? Where in the end, he cannot fail. He can only be failed, right? Right. By the lack of, I don't know, maybe what, someone not executing something somewhere or, or, like I don't know what saying they're not pressing as a unit properly or whatever, but at the same time, right? Like, there's a rising amount of. I think that there's there's it has been pointed out quite a few times, and I think we just touched upon it as well briefly, right? That what has he done as a manager to earn that kind of clout, right? Right. Nothing, quite frankly. Like, he hasn't stayed anywhere more than a year to 18 months. I don't know. Uh, you know, he, 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 he's not some, you know, I, this isn't some genius. I don't know. Like, like Hasn't I, even worked at, like, at a, as an assistant manager anywhere either. Yeah, exactly. Hasn't been an assistant started as like uh what is it the an 18 month management state into leafering right before going right. off to wolfsburger where he stayed for a year kept barnsley up from being relegated but i mean like which is fair enough but also kind of like you know but also there's another team below them they got a points deduction that enabled them to make the escape exactly right Good on him for getting it done, but I mean, like, the, it wasn't entirely because of his doing in a way, right? So, um, this is this is the thing for me, right? I, I don't think he's earned the right to position himself as some kind of genius tinkerer, right? When he's right. got fuck all the show from his past stops, his the crowning achievement of his career is keeping Barkley from relegation. He hasn't won a single trophy. He hasn't stuck around anywhere long enough to show cohesive proof of, um, you know, that players under his charge have tended to have tangibly gotten better. Right. The only place where it's been shown so far to a degree is here, right? There are players that have been taking steps forward, but now it seems they're not really being put in positions to succeed again. Right, because now we're being yanked all over the place. Um, the formation and the formation changes on a weekly basis. Players find themselves being dropped in and out of the squad for like uh, inexplicable reasons, if you ask me. Right, like uh, 
nothing about this guy really shows to me that he has the right to do these things as he should. He has not yeah. earned that trust, I think. I don't. I, I don't think we're. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I said like that. That Open Cup semifinal was the biggest game of his managerial career. It would be right up there. That's for sure. I mean, uh, like if, for a guy who has never like won a, a trophy before, putting himself into a, a a cup final would have been up there. Yeah. He did manage. He did manage a Europa League game with Wolfsburger, though. I do believe, right, where he actually beat. Uh, Marco Rose's munching Gladbach, which I think was a thing that actually happened. But I mean, like Europa League group stage games are, are uh, right. I mean, like who really cares to be honest? <laughs> <laughs> and considering the stakes, uh, considering the stakes here, right? I would probably agree. Right? It's a semi It's a se- it's the semifinal of. Uh, of the premier knockout competition in a market where soccer is only growing in importance with every passing year. Right. I mean, I would probably say that. And then on if, top of that if, as right. well, wait, sorry. If Jose Mourinho could get the Europa conference league trophy tattooed on his, his arm, I think Struber can, can take the U S open cup seriously. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, I, 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 as much as I don't want, and, you know, I mean, like we've, we've basically spent the last uh, 15 minutes, like, um, dissecting these decisions because, and I don't want to turn this into like yet another, like Stuberfest, like we did last episode. Right. But it does kind of beg to say that at some point, right. If this is a guy that was identified by Red Bull to restore some kind of orthodoxy, right to the team in uh, New York, as has been hypothesized in the past by us, right? And other parts of the fan base as well, that if this is the results that we're getting from it, right? Then are Red Bull actually as good at, as identi- at identifying talent? And like maintaining a cohesive club structure as we would think they would be able to with their infinite resources. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure, to be honest with you. You know, like, like I, I, I gotta say that this has got to be the one thing that has black told me more on the Red Bull project than basically any thing that happened. And under the Armas era, <laughs> the Armas era already was bad enough as it is, right? But you look at the state of things here now, right? Leipzig continues to spin their wheels despite, uh, you know, winning the Pokal stuff. Bragantino, okay, sure. I mean, like, uh, similar thing to uh, Leipzig, right? Rose up through the divisions, but now they're kind of, uh, they're kind of, uh, Kind of an upper mid table team in Brazil Campeonato, right? Yes, they so, they've hit the wall of, of of South American soccer, which ends up uh, leaning very much into hero ball. Yeah, exactly. Right, and then you look at us. This this guy who's uh you know. This guy, this tactical system which led us to uh, seventh place in the East last year. 
on a mostly turned over squad. And now we face ourselves with this, look, probably looking at maybe like what realistically third or fourth in the East. And, right. uh, you know, with a head of sport that has only just been seen in New York with four days left in the transfer window. Right. Um, Basically, barely anything sound, barely anything really going on in the transfer rumor department. We're apparently in for a striker, still, we're apparently still in for Dylan Benza. But, like, as we've mentioned, I don't think signing a new striker is going to magically fix all our woes. Right. Because the, we, we still don't seem to have much of a cohesive plan in the tech. Right. It really begs the question, really. I mean, like, who's calling the shots in New York again? Right. right. The the last guy who, or had even any... just, or, or even just at all. At all, yeah. I mean, it's... I know, I know, I know. People, the fans, it, we're at this weird inflection point with like, with like how we view Red Bull, and people have this impression that people like us. Uh, are making excuses all the time for Red Bull as a thing, as, as an entity. And I think the, the, like the hypothesis that we, we were all just assuming that there was someone in charge at Red Bull. And, and to be fair, the Red Bull out people also think that, that there's just someone at Red Bull who's like rubbing their hands together, like Gendo Araki style. And just thinking like looking at us on the board being like, yes, I'm going to ruin the New York Red Bulls by not giving them players. And it turns out and we were probably thinking that someone was like, actually, there was someone who was like that, not Gendo Araki hands, but maybe thought that they could uh, build this team into a competent roster and be, you know, our version of, of of the Seattle Sounders. But it turns out maybe there just isn't that person for good or for better or for worse. That, that there's no one like that at all at Red Bull Global. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, no, no, undoubtedly over the last two or three years, right? I mean, like uh, this whole working hypothesis that I think that there is a cohesive global structure that players, managers, etc., will find themselves being fit into, right? I mean, I think that's all really just gone up in smoke, right? I mean, like it's probably not with the old, with the level of overarching centralization as has been laid out in the past, right? There are probably tenets that they want everyone to play, but how each club chooses to implement that, right, is up to them. Right. Right. It's, much, like, it's what a do you much think? looser no, decentralized structure, right, than yeah. we uh, initially imagined. But uh, anyway, like, uh, that's... Like, what do you think is an ideal, like, structure that, 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 that we could work with or that we could, that we could benefit from of, like, uh, what we would imagine Red Bull soccer to be? Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? I mean, um... It seemed to me that like that structure was actually pretty close to what was going on at the start of the twenty twenty one season, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, uh, I think what's clear is is that there are that there is a tactical identity, right, that runs throughout all of the Red Bull Global clubs, right? They want to play this brand of high. They want to play gig and pressing soccer, basically, right? Because that's been. That's sort of what got the, that's sort of, that's still the style that, that's still the house style that is basically taught, right? Two players up yeah. and down the pyramid here. It's the house style that's taught two players, right? That find themselves into the, that bring themselves into any one of the Ripple Global Clubs globally, 
right? That as much is true. But as we've seen, right, having an idea of how you want to play soccer and identifying the talent, not just the playing talent, but also the coaching talent, the support staff, the academy staff that's needed to bring out that identity, right? Much easier, much easier said than done. Right. But what you needed to do in order to have that is somebody who has also had that top down experience, right? In integrating those tactical tenets into the club, right? Not just at professional level, but also at grassroots level, because the skills that you're going to be emphasizing at grassroots level, right? A lot different from the stuff that you're going to be seeing like at the pros, right? By the time you make it to the pro, it's all just about, you know, refinement. Um, that's where it becomes a, that's where it becomes a much more mental game, I would probably say. Right. Right. Technique, everything that probably all comes with that comes at youth level, all that stuff. Right. Having to be able to build that um, top to bottom is a momentous task. Right. And that's right. why I think the ideal structure would have been something similar with someone who has those credentials. Right. Implementing a top down structure in a similar way with other programs throughout the world, right? While trying to maintain that level of alignment with the tactical identity that they follow, right? That all Rebel Global Clubs follow. We did have a person like that, but he's gone. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if there's, if there's anything that's kind of been shown over the past couple, I don't know, months or so is that like even in terms of of signing and overturning players right that signing 11 or 12 players to basically build a whole new team being able to get all these transfers done and it's a variety of transfers as well right it was big external signings those big intra-league trades for um players that found themselves kind of frozen at their home clubs right mm -hmm. you know it's it's even signing like young, promising young academy players to homegrown contracts early, right? To fill that bottom part of the roster. I mean, I don't think there's been a semblance of appreciation for just how tricky it can be to do these kinds of things. Right. Right. Like the lack of activity now and the lack of any semblance, I think, of anything going on right now speaks louder than I think anyone has picked up on so far, right? Like, even even in the winter window last year, right? You, you we, we've at least heard something by now, right? It yeah. was Monzone. There was a. Monzone was the big one last year, right? Uh, whether or not that turned out, that didn't work out. But, you know, not every transfer that you bring in works out. Fair yeah. enough. But it was alone. The, it was like the least, like the least impactful way it could have not worked out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, like, uh, it's easy to cut your losses when it's just an 18-month loan, right? You just terminate the loan early. That's where you go and go. Um. Meanwhile, here, we've heard vague rumblings that we're looking for a striker and that we are a bunch of other names that we could be linked with. But have any of them gotten over the line? Are we 
imminent to signing any of these? I don't think yeah. so. Right? Window closes in three or four days. What have we done so far? We've only lost we've only lost players. We could be losing another one in the, in the coming days. Right? <laughs> if the reports are let occasionally leave. I mean um And for the and for the record, right? I mean, like on the topic of like bringing in players that can succeed within the within the tactical identity. I mean, for the most part, the talent that was identified to try and be contributors to the twenty twenty one team, the twenty twenty two team, have all made strides in some shape or form, right? If we're going to be giving the manager credit for stringing along players and helping them find a feet, then why are we like again, right? I said this last week. Why are we not giving credit for the person who identifies these these kinds of players to begin with, right? You look at. You look at the people that he ultimately decided to pull the trigger on, right? I mean, I'd probably say of the players that we signed, Amaya has uh, Amaya has been a big hit, right? Yep. Lewis Morgan is our top goal scorer. Um, Carlos Coronel is probably, I think, the best all-around goalkeeper we've ever had in this organization's history. Yep. I would probably say. Tom Edwards is a essential part of our defense, right? Even though he's here on loan, um, let's see. Um, Lucinius is Lucinius, right? Yeah, <laughs> Lucinius, and then uh, I'm sure there's a few others that. Oh, Andres Reyes as well, right? Andres Reyes, and I guess also like you know Patrick Clamala. We have you know <laughs> since Bradley Brown Phillips, probably the best striker we've had since then. Yeah, and like you know, I mean, it's one thing to talk about. Oh, what his, his scoring record's not great or whatever, but you know, right? I mean, the deal is, but just like the quality, like here, like because I think people seem to think like, well, we're comparing him to like, I don't know, Tom Barlow and 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 Brian White, but like remember, remember Samuel Tete? Remember when we were excited for him and then we saw him on the field? Like, wow, this guy is is not good. Yeah, that was that that, that was pretty bad. The uh, halcyon days of twenty twenty pandemic soccer oh my god <laughs> uh we seem to have only gone back in that direction unfortunately but oh, no. uh, anyway yeah to, to, to kind of go lead on to this point you know i mean like the jury will be out on everybody's two favorite scapegoats for whatever reason right dylan nealis and patrick lamala i mean we've already made our stances clear and what these players what these guys are right but then also you also have to factor in the fact that like now that there are hope that the home that bringing the decision to fill out the bottom of the roster with uh, promising homegrown players is another way that you build that level of identifying of uh, no that culture of youth development at the team right because i think there's one thing that they said he said right that if a player is not me- playing meaningful professional minutes by the time he's 18 years old like he's not going to amount to much right and it's a pathway right. of getting those promising young players, a faster track to the first team so that they can be a professional minutes faster, right? People probably, I think maybe some eyebrows may have been raised at the signings of a, you know, Surgeon Goma, Daniel Edelman. But, you know, I mean, if those those two are a pretty good example of what happens when you put your faith that they'll be able to produce minutes at senior level, at, despite the young age, right? You blood them in early and now they look like you know, building blocks for the future that you can build on, you know, it's one thing for the manager to give them minutes, but it's also partially due credit to the sporting director for giving them the contracts to begin with and locking them in. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's another one of those things that I think like will go unduly unappreciated. 
right? As the years, as we go on, right? And now we fast forward here to this window and like, again, nothing, absolutely nothing's going on. Nothing's every player on. that was mostly everyone under the Thelwell era, for the most part, has been a success, right? Two misses, potentially. And even then, like, one of the misses is entirely debatable, right? And Dylan Nealis may still yet show something something down the line, right? He makes mistakes here and there, but, you know, I mean, like, uh, there's other... There are flashes here and there as well, right? Could he really call them solid misses? I don't think so, to be honest, right? The guys that were moved out. Fabio hasn't really done much back in Brazil. Brian White, after his uh, season last year, three goals and 17 appearances, and we got 400k of time out of it. I'm pretty happy with that. Canadian Championship is a Mickey Mouse Cup. I don't give a fuck about it. Right? <laughs> Unless you really want to sit here and tell me that like uh, running up the score against the likes of uh, CPL teams like Hamilton, whatever the fuck, AX, <laughs> whatever shitty name is that they have to do. Halifax Wanderers. Halifax Wanderers. The Mississauga Metro Stars. The Thunder Bay 69ers. Exactly. I may have just made that one up, but we'll, we'll just pretend that it works. <laughs> the, the Yellow Back, Yellow Knife, Yellow Belly FC. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but basically, running up the score against Mickey Mouse clubs like those like actually fucking means anything, then okay. It's uh, not my hill to die on. You can have your fun doing that if you want. Yeah. But again, right? I mean, for the most part. For the most part, I mean, everything that's transpired under his, you know, under while well, Kevin Thelwell was here has aged pretty well, man. I ain't going to lie. He yeah. was the guy. He was the guy here, and now he's gone. I don't know. Where, uh, I, I don't exactly. Uh, I don't exactly know what's in store for us or what structure there is to, for us to even align to anymore, or if there's anybody here in New York domestically who is interested in aligning us to that to begin with. But early returns are not looking great, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's a reason why this new sporting director's crowning achievement is getting Schalke re- relegated for a reason. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just think about that for a bit before we all lose our minds because he worked at Red Bull for like five minutes before he fucked up somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just Because I, I do hate Schalke, but... Yes, it's very worrying, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's it ends up being what where the discourse ends up going about Red Bull as a group is like I think for I think I think you outlined what your ideal was very well um, of like a, of a way to exist in the ecosystem of global football rather than you know it's I, people just imagine like because just because Red Bull Global is rich and we have a rich ownership group that they can just like open up the checkbook and just pay a dp whatever they want and it's like like we're not i don't know it's like it's like uh, if you read what what book is it it's it is it soccernomics it is soccernomics where they say that like basically the most successful teams are the teams that pay the highest wages and it's not as if like so yeah it's those are the highest wages paid across the team and we're just not we're not gonna have that at most we're gonna have one guy it's like do, like do you want to be top heavy like or like uh, like toronto was for the for and they were good for what three seasons maybe and now yeah. they've done fuck all yeah and, and, and here's the thing for me as well right is that like the the soccernomics assumes an open market right? right there are no salary cap restraints to deal with mls doesn't work like that 
We know that, right? Right. But then adding on top of that as well, right, is the fact that, you know, there, there was a point where payroll and all that transfer outlay, all that, that shit didn't fucking matter, right? Right. We point to the 2018 season for a reason constantly, right? As to why this was such an extraordinary season in so many ways. We were still one of the lowest payrolls in the league for that season. But we still waxed everybody in sight because we managed to identify talent, right? That was being undervalued by the market and could produce at a level much higher than what we were paying them to produce. It is possible to do these things if you identify talent correctly, right? And have an ecosystem and a structure that brings them along to achieve that. The whole point about 2018 was that the lack of a third DP was a red herring because we already had so many players that were producing at that level, right? They were much vastly outproducing the money that we were paying them. Right. And we brought them in through a variety of channels as well. Adams was an academy signing. Lawrence was a guy we got in the draft, I want to say. Right. Um, uh, maybe. I don't think so, but. It was that he going. was like a, he was like a low, like a, I have a, well, let me fact check myself real quick. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, we signed Kamar Lawrence from a preseason trial. It wasn't a draft. Right. Pick. But we, tri- yes. but I think we had to trade like uh, rights for like a draft pick for his discovery rights or something. But mm-hmm. anyway, we signed him as a preseason trialist. Mario was a loan first that we then made permanent, right? Bradley Wright Phillips was another trialist, and he became like literally the greatest goal scorer in this team's history. Mike Grella, Mike Grella was a trialist. Mike Grella was he- a trialist. Yeah, and like, and he was a, he was known as like a striker, a dribbly striker, and somehow somehow we turned him into a pressing winger. Yeah, the right, first and- like the first time we want to sh- like I think people I think one of the things that I've heard from other people who host podcasts I won't mention them, but sort of like we haven't and we haven't invested in this club uh, since the days when we had Thierry Henry. Like, yeah, we were paying we were paying Thierry Henry and Tim Cahill millions of dollars, and then Brandon Barkledge would play thirty games a season. Yeah. Eric, the, the, the midfield pivot was Dax McCarty and Eric Alexander. Eric Alexander, <laughs> like we were, we were trotting a revolving door next to Jameson Olave for most of 2014. Exactly. You mean you really want to sit here and tell me that Armando was a big time loss? Okay, I mean, like maybe it was a big time loss because he was really hot, but other than that. Other than potential what photo book sales, if you want to turn him into an idol, like, <laughs> come on, right? I, I, I'm sorry. That, I, I mean, I'm, I've turned to the Mike Francesco over this dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Andy Pettit was a starting pitcher. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we go back to this whole thing, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to finish my thought, basically, right? I mean, yes, the whole point of the 2018 season and other seasons in that era, mind, right? Because the team that we assembled in 2015 was much similar, right? Lesser heralded players, right, that were fit into a pressing system that ended up much out, that ended up outproducing the levels of money that we were paying them, right? Right. 
And that's why, mm-hmm. like, the soccer-nomics thing is always brought up, that you need to spend in order to wax the league. I mean, yeah, it's true that that's the easiest way to do it, but there are considerations that you need to take into account in the salary cap league, right? Where your top three, okay, you can spend as much as you want for your top three to a degree, right? Because they'll only have a certain amount dedicated towards the cap. But then that right. also means that the onus on those complete teams is then finding talent that fills your four to like, I don't know, maybe 15 parts of the roster, right? That the four to 15 parts of your roster with your TAM, GAM, allocation money, whatever, that can contribute at a similar level to make you a better all-rounded team, right? It's not going to be a case where you can just simply throw money at the problem, hope it resolves itself. You also cannot ignore the fact that it's like not the big top line players that separate the great teams in MLS from the good teams in MLS, right? Because every team in MLS has two or three top guys, right? It's the supporting cast around them. The other team that I can point to is LAFC, right? I mean, like Carlos Vela, sure, okay, everybody knows Carlos Vela. The other guy was what, but but when Bradley was like a, uh, their manager, who, the players that came through with the likes of what, Atuesta, K. Mark Anthony K was also playing really yeah, well. Mark Anthony K, yeah. Laurent Simon for a while was holding down the back line. Uh, Latif Blessing somehow reinvent- <laughs> reinvented into, into a center midfielder. Yeah, Latif Blessing is another great example. They even had some big money DP that was basically sitting on the bench most of the time, right? That that Portuguese or what's his name? The Andre, Portugu- Horta. Andre Horta, yeah. Yeah. They had a big money DP flop as well, but it didn't matter because the re- because their four to fifteen had much right. lesser heralded players that they identified and brought in that ended up outproducing the salaries that they were paying them as well. I'm starting to sense a trend here. You know, and how to construct a good team in MLS, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's why, you know, like, uh, to, to kind of put a bow on it, you know, the whole soccer-nomics argument to me is a bit reductive in context of a, in context of a salary cap league. You know, the rules don't really apply to MLS as much, just simply because you have to deal with the cap. And, you know, I mean, I, I think the main takeaway I've always seen from that argument is, is that the amount that you're willing to spend widens the pool of players that you're able to attract, right? Not right. just in terms of fees, but also in terms of wages. But the key to all of that is, is that the outlay doesn't fucking matter if the players you're paying that price for are crap. Where can we see this happen before? And where have we seen a club completely tank their fortunes? Because they put out a big outlay for players that ended up being really mediocre and didn't return the ROI. Do we not remember Atlanta United with Pity Martinez, Ezekiel Barco, and all those random RGs that they're bringing in that end up sucking shit? Look at where they are now, right? They have a completely fucked salary cap situation because nobody wants to take these players off your hands. Like, like I'm and a- all those and all those Argentinian guys back in Argentina, weirdly playing for the same team. Are they in Argentina or, uh, I don't know, like living it up in Dubai somewhere, whatever, right? right? Or Qatar, where some fake Middle Eastern league, who cares? Like, this is this is the frustrating to me, to me ultimately, right? All of our problems, and to tie it back to Red Bull, it basically means to me, all of our problems are not going to be solved by magically signing a new striker, right? We kind of have to look internally at... 
if we even sign a striker to begin with, the tactical issues go much beyond one or two players on the roster, right? <laughs> as much as, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I want to scapegoat Patrick Clamala. I want to scapegoat Dylan Nealis. I want to sca scapegoat, uh, I don't know, uh, Tom Barlow, all these other players, whoever, whoever, whoever. <laughs> all of that, to me, like, it doesn't fucking matter, right? Like, if you're simply basing this result off of the contributions of one or two players, I really have to question where your head is at. Because ultimately, <laughs> it seems to me that there has been decisions made that people just want to blame certain players for everything without looking at other things that may be causing this, quite simply. And that's why, like, it's become borderline, like, I mean, it's just, it's just become very tiring, right? Like, we waxed the same team 3-0 in the same stadium earlier this year with almost exactly the same team. Right. We found ourselves in similar situations this season. We still can bag the result. We bagged results off of similar situations this season. All of this stuff, you know, all of this stuff is where we are, basically for me. The problems for this team right now extend far beyond one or two players on the roster, right? The problems to me right now seem to be at the very fact that ever since that A, we have a guy in charge who doesn't really seem to, who seems to have kind of has a, has outsized an outside sense of ego compared to his credentials. And two, it also seems that nobody is really around to have no no one's really around a ripple anymore to, to bring in the player to bring in anybody that can help rectify the situation nobody knows how they want this team to play and nobody knows the players that they want in order to fit it in into like how this team should be playing right there's a complete absence of anything right now going on here it's <laughs> it's rough man what else can you possibly say <laughs> I've gone on a this is this is my Francesca rant I suppose I don't know I guess uh, yeah this filibuster took us to forty six minutes. <laughs> I'm very impressive. Sometimes we worry like we're worrying like how w w would this episode be that long? But you got us here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Know? I, I kind of had to get that off my chest, man. I, you have uh, to. Yes, I understand. Uh, I will bill you for this later. Uh, once <laughs> up. Um, <laughs> part of me thinks of like, what is, I think the, the unique limitations of not just being in a salary cap league, but also part of this, this Red Bull system that, that we're in, that we're not going to like, you know, not even like Salzburg or Leipzig or shelling out, you know, huge sums of money for, players just, just in context Leipzig. At, there was a certain point when leipzig's uh, uh record signing was this dude named oliver burke who has not who has not done anything the only oh reason i bring God. him up is yeah, because yeah. yes uh <laughs> the only reason i bring him up is because uh i was watching the Werder bremen uh pokal uh, german cup game and he he came on for Werder bremen I'm like wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> that's right he's there now very strange but i think the point i'm getting at is it you've seen what succeeds in MLS, not just at the player level, but at like the personnel level at the staff level. And 
you know what? It's like, why can't we, why can't we get like an MLS lifer manager, right? Like, I think the issue is like somehow we we've by, by having this like connection to a European soccer uh, network team that somehow we're attracting like these weird Merc guys, right? That like Jesse, in a way, I'm not gonna say Jesse was a Merc, but Jesse was a highly motivated guy, and as successful as he was here, he had his eyes to Europe. You know, we all remember him leaving like yeah. before the end of a game to get on a plane or whatever uh, to go get his like UEFA uh, badges. And I think Struber is probably the worst version of this because, as we've said previously, this guy like hasn't achieved much of anything, like, you know, um, save for a, a few results, but like, you know, not, nothing to show for it in order to like earn, I don't know, the deference of his bizarre coaching decisions and like, in my most indulgent thoughts, I'm like, what is what does Troy Lazane want to do? Like, you know, he's on our coaching staff. He is an American dude. Um, where, where, you know, the most recent team he he left a head coaching job in USL at New Mexico United to come be here as an assistant coach. Um, previously, an assistant at Charlotte, at Charleston, um, a college coach. Like, as far as I've heard, like a student of the game, a smart dude a guy who, you know, who thinks a lot about the game, does he want to go to Europe or does he want to be, does he look at Brian Schmetzer and be like, I want to be that guy. Yeah. No, I, I want to be, and hopefully not look at Caleb Porter and be like, I don't want to be like that guy. But yes, like, <laughs> does he want, does, does he want to actually like, I like, I there's potential. I, you know, maybe I could be wrong, but like in my fantasies, like he has the potential of being just like, uh, an MLS kingpin type player. Cause it's not even just like Brian Schmetzer. It's, and I say Caleb Porter, but also like Ziggy Schmidt, uh, and Bruce Arena, most notably who I'm convinced doesn't like soccer and rather coach lacrosse if he <laughs> had the option, but like, like why, why can't we have an MLS lifer? Yeah. You know, I guess that, that, that brings me to the other side of the argument as well. Right. If we are, is this idea that somehow being part of this um, European uh, affiliated with the European slash global team that had some kind of global ecosystem that was being built, global family clubs being built, so that would be some semblance of stability and cohesive cohesiveness that would be brought over no matter which era of the club that you found yourself in, right? There was this idea that the system and the tactics would and the system and the identity would precede whoever you chose to bring in, right? Because having that orthodoxy there would be the sort of like the the, the guiding light, right? That everyone would take reference from. And you know, if there's anything that's uh, transpired ever since Ralph Ragnick left in Germany over three years ago, it's been clown shoe shit, quite frankly. None of that stability has. We've we've found ourselves of like none of the stability that we thought it would. Right, the system is not this invaluable absolute thing that will be. Systems and tactical identities are not absolute infallible things. Right, they are the products of the interpretation of the people who are brought in. Right, to identify talent that can execute it. But also, but also are the products of people who are able to inculcate that technical knowledge into their players, right? 
Systems and tactics are basically the products of the people that you bring in, to cut a long story short. And we are constantly churning through and overturning people like this, right? And the interpretation of how to do that constantly changes. Not even on a year-to-year -year basis like it is sometimes, like it was in the past. It's even happening on a week-to-week -week basis now with this manager, right? Like, like how, how, how is anyone supposed to build a stable environment where players can play confidently, right? If this is what's going to happen. How do you string players along in this environment if everything is constantly in flux? The only thing that you could do really is bring in players who are also similarly in flux, right? Mercs, all this stuff coming in. It's in itself a product of constantly having to churn through not just, you know, players, but also coaches, technical staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And as a result of this constant churn, the interpretation of how to execute tactics and the identity changes as well, right? Think of it as like being at your company and if your CEO changes like every 12 months. The strategy is going to change every 12 months as well, wouldn't it? Projects right. that you started like uh, three or four months ago will probably be thrown into the trash bin and you have to start scratch every single like every single time this happens. Right? And that's why I think like you bringing up Troy Lascens is actually kind of an interesting thought concept, right? Because if there's anything that is proven... Perhaps the easiest way to inculcate that semblance of stability is to have a guy who's not gonna, who's not gonna bolt for the door. Yeah, and again, I only yeah. say that because uh, I, I'm fully expecting that by this time next year, Struber has fucked off to I don't know, fucking ugh, Augsburg or whatever. Mines, mines. Uh, what, I think we named all these teams before. Let's, Frank, let's take Frankfurt, Sturmgratz or whatever. <laughs> Paderborn, Paderborn. Union Berlin, that would be really funny, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> they would back-to-back -back relegations. Uh, that was... <laughs> hey, I mean, uh, St. Pauli are so insistent on saying in the second division the whole time they could just call in Struber, right? Hey! Oh. Anyway. That yeah, being I mean... said, if, if any club wants to hire a Gerhard Struber, uh, 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 Haas... <laughs> Hamburg, Hasvau, uh, 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 Hamburger SV, uh, come come get your guy. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, exactly what you need uh, to get promoted. Wink, wink. Hey, you know it'd be really funny if uh, Ralph fucks off from Austria within the next twelve months again, and they hire Gerhard Schuber to be the Austrian national team manager. You know what? <laughs> I would enjoy that. It would be it would be really delicious. I'm going yes. Lie. Like, I just want someone to free me from this hell of constantly having to guess as to what the plan is or if there even is a semblance of a plan. Because if anything that's been showing right now, it's probably just Dennis Hamlet sending emails into the void again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not to say that Hamlet's a malicious dick or whatever. I think he's just genuinely a kind of affable, and clueless guy who's just found himself horrendously out of his depth. Again, because of the complete lack of stability or direction around him, I guess. I yeah. don't know. But this is, again, leaning way too... In, this is leaning into Kremlinology, the Red Bull Kremlinology too much, and I am not interested about writing Red Bull Global Corporate fanfiction on his podcast <laughs> anymore. Right? So, I mean, that's where we are off the backs of five. 
that's where we are at the back to five one. Um, let's let's switch. I, I, do you want to issue stocks? I, I don't want to issue stocks. No, I, I don't. I, I, don't. I don't want to issue stocks at all. Uh, I'll, I'll give us. I'll give ups to Ngoma. I hope he. Well, I, I'll do a quick one. I guess I'll give. I'll give one to Ngoma because uh, he was looking really promising for his hammy tour. Well, pulled. I think he, he didn't tear his hamstring, but he was going to be out for a bit. Yeah, it's going to um, be, I don't know. It'll probably be for a bit. Hopefully yeah. not that long, but. Yeah. He's probably the only one that gets away with a stock up for me. I think. Um, <laughs> stock downs, I think we. Uh, actually, no, no. Daniel Edelman gets one as well. He gets, he gets, he gets a huge stock up just for two footing that Barcelona player. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was important praxis. Thank you. That's all. That's all I really wanted. Like, I don't really care about the result, but I want one of you to, I want you guys to fucking get stuck in, just clatter one of these clowns. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service, Daniel. Uh, I mean, I think we all know who's going to get the down for this one. Right. I mean, uh, I'm going to go beyond, uh, uh, yeah, basically Red Bull Global as a whole. <laughs> uh, all of my stock downs, basically. The specter of Red Bull Global. The the entire entity, top to bottom. I'll give like a negative 100 stock down if I could. Yeah. They're like they're like uh, trending at like uh, NFT levels right now, basically. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like meta stock, right? They've lost 50% of uh, their value in the last six months. Yeah, that's basically where we are. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you know yeah i don't know where we go from here um outlook in the season we're not really playing for anything anymore other than playoff seating and, other than a playoff spot you know i mean uh yeah i mean all we have to look forward to is seeing whether or not we finish third or fourth i guess maybe it gets worse i don't know if it does maybe it gets better uh, it's going to take a minor miracle, I think, at this point to get us back in the uh, shield race. Uh, it's going to, yeah, it's going to take a. And I guess it begins on the it begins uh, against Colorado, I think, uh, in a couple days, right? But you know, I mean, tomorrow, in fact. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, like like we said, right. All of our games going forward are pretty low stakes <laughs> until until decision day on October the tenth, right? right? So I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I was definitely really looking forward to hosting a cup final at home. Uh, that's not going to happen now, and it would have happened, which kind of makes this thing even more. It would have happened, yeah. <sighs> it was the best chance that we had of winning a trophy. I would probably say and. In a while, because even going into SKC and at, away in 2017, right? They were a lot better they at were that a lot time. Better. And I we was were... joking that like I think someone had posted a video of like Gareth Bale scoring on on SKC, and people were just like, "Oh, but we have Tom Barlow." This was this was in the RBNY supporters. I don't know. I, I'm going to say this joke specific because it was a lame post, and I thought that my reply was was funnier. But they were just like. Like oh we have Tom Barrow like no this only tells me that that SKC uh, are not making it to the U.S. Open Cup final. Yeah, I mean that was some clown car defending. I got to you. 
I mean, for that for that matter, the RBNY supporters group has just basically become like a, the Red Bull discussion group without being the Red Bull discussion group, right? I it close. is it is better, but not by that much by by very fine margins. It's only better because I'm not in I I'm I'm in there shit posting all day long. It's like uh you know the at the bar for a Red Bull discussion group is six feet under. I guess RBNY supporters is like four feet under. You know. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of where we are. I mean, uh, I I left that group because it got really tiring. I I actually I would actually prefer not to read most takes. Actually, thank you. <laughs> I I gotta say, you know, I gotta chalk another W up for China for banning Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I think they had the right idea. Oh, and banning Reddit as well. Definitely the right idea. Oh yeah. Uh, just don't go and Weibo. But anyway, uh, that being said, um, I don't know. I mean, let's let's move let's let's guide the discussion towards uh, something a bit lighter. Uh, how how did you um, recuperate from this? I guess. <laughs> how did what did you do to make yourself feel better about this? Oh, generally, I I'm very good about letting losses just wash over me. I'm just like this is sports. This is supposed to be fun. Let the highs be highs and let the lows get over them real fast. But I will say, to give myself something to do, uh, have you ever built a model kit before? I have not, actually. Well, and by model kit, I mean specifically like Japanese model kits, not necessarily like of, of, of the car model kits that you would get at like a craft store here in the United States. I've built, I don't know how many Gundam model kits I've built, but I've built many a Gundam model kit over the course of, over the course of my life. Um, if, if that's something that interests you, it's a, it's, or if you lens, you, the listener, uh, it's a fun time. They, they come in various, uh, uh, difficulty levels. They're not very hard to build. Really the difficulty in building a Gundam model is how nice do you want it to be? And that's where you start sinking money into it. And by sinking money, you're not sinking that much money, but that's all what, um, but I, I, I started building a, a model kit, not a Gundam model, but it's a, of a, it's a model of a Japanese beetle. As in like a Volkswagen beetle or like a, Oh no, uh, uh, an actual beat like a Japanese. Oh, so like the hornbill ones, right? Exactly. The Kabutomushi. Ah, yes, 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 yes. This I know, this I know. Uh, I, I only know this because, uh, uh, Heracross is based on. Exactly. <laughs> it's basically Heracross, but it's yes, Exactly. Heracross is a baller ass Pokemon, man. I, one of my definitely one of my favorites, mostly because I, I just love I love beetles. Four X weakness to birds, though, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> That's cool. So, so you've been modeling a so you've been modeling a stag beetle, basically. A a a uh, a rhinoceros beetle is what they oh, would call it because it's got yeah, the yeah. one horn. Hmm. The stag beetle is the one where the they have like the the two clamps that it's what's the name of what's the Pokemon that does that too? Uh, wait, 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 which one? Oh, let me find out. A stag. Oh, so a rhinoceros beetle has one horn, and a stag beetle has has the two that are like horizontal. Let me let me have a quick look. Actually, I'd probably be able to. Uh, Oh, pincer. It oh, yeah, pincer, pincer, pincer. pincer. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Okay, now I see the difference. Yes. These are some big ass horns, dude. Yeah. Uh, I generally do not look at beetles because we don't have too many of them here. <laughs> really? That's yeah, you'll be surprised. Um, so I thought, or look, because like we don't have a lot of like green spaces in general, right? Because we're extremely oh, urbanized right. and very dense. So uh, okay, all the greenery is in like also in designated parts of the country, which I find very curious. But nevertheless, yeah. Like, it's been a while since I've seen a bug, basically. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> kind of sad to say, because, uh, you know, I mean, uh, if there's anything that I've learned over the last two years is that, like, this island is way too small to stick on the last two years. But how, how, how far along are you in building this? Are you close to completion? Did you finish it? Oh, yeah, I'm getting there. It's not a very complicated build. Especially, oh. I don't have to paint it that long. The thing about the building robot model kits is that... Um, I don't know if you ever see someone build it like they just like it's full of like little lines and grooves to like accentuate like you know all like the curves on the uh, on the thing. Uh, those don't come painted, and you have to do that yourself. So it's lo- most that's most of what I the last time I built a model kit, a Gundam model is me just like for an, for like just a few hours just like painting in the lines. I think uh, my brother does uh, builds model kits for like tanks and stuff like that, right? And he actually has like, the whole like airsoft. Uh paint paint gun uh, yes i don't setup. think i'm de- i'm not i'm not quite dedicated enough to do that i do paint the model kits but that's usually brushes or brush pens like but like actual like air spray like ooh, that's that'd be the next level for me he's got he's, he's got a gas mask and everything to go along with it actually it's really cool. no that's smart you don't yeah. you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to huff fumes no you do not <laughs> i, I want to huff fumes after this game though oh gosh <laughs> Yeah, I, I cope by just sniffing glue and crying. Oh no! No, I didn't. I lied. <laughs> I watched. I watched Stardom's Five Star Grand Prix opening nights one and two. And let me just so say, what, well, okay, so is is Stardom? Is that just women's wrestling, or is that? Yeah, it's uh, probably the biggest uh, women's wrestling company in the world right now. Uh, Ooh, women only, mind, because uh, I think, as you know, right, uh, they take wrestling very seriously in Japan. And the yes. women's promotions have traditionally been as well supported as the men's at their height. So in the nineties, the New Japan and All Japan women's wrestling were like the top drawing promotions in the country, like selling out the Tokyo Dome in front of like fifty, sixty thousand fans. Right. And the interesting about HAW especially is that like they had a very big female fan base as well. Right. And in a way they're kind of like pioneers in that sense. Right? It's why oh, women's wrestling is taken a lot more seriously in Japan, I think, than it is in America. And let me just put out a plug in saying that if you are, and I know my uh, for the, my wrestleheads out there who listen to this podcast for my ramblings about Red Bull, if you have ever thought about watching Stardom, if you've ever thought about getting involved with the World Wonder Ring, and you haven't taken the plunge, do it. Because otherwise you are missing out on probably what is the best professional wrestling on this planet right now consistently on a show-to-show basis right it reminds me so much of how new japan used to be in the in the in the 20 in the mid-2010s all the way to like uh when naito won double gold dash at the tokyo dome in 2020 right it's on that kind of run right now you will not regret the nine dollars or so that you will spend on a starting world sub um, if you love that style of wrestling, 
Knights 1 and 2, absolutely phenomenal top to bottom. Literally just a loaded up bag of chips and just enjoyed it hard for like a solid three or four hours. It was very therapeutic, just hollering about things. You know, I think uh, I watched night two with Chris uh, and he can tell you, Christopher Cruz, by the way, from Off the Bridge Pod, and he can tell you, you know, I think uh, just some absolutely incredible stuff going on right now. Uh, it, it, it felt nice. <laughs> <laughs> then, as I mentioned, I played soccer Sunday morning and, uh, you know, kept, kept, won, won our first game 5 0. That was pretty fun. <laughs> Hell yeah. Got that clean sheet. Do you got still that. playing goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Clean sheet, won like three out of four games. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we guess how we got over it, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> We do have team news, I suppose, to get into before Colorado. Uh, that one circling is, of course, uh, the potential loss of Tom Edwards, like in general, right? Um, right. Going back to Stoke potentially early. That would be extremely clown shoes, I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. Look, he's been such an essential part of our defense this year, right? It's not, he hasn't actually played fullback, right, much this year. He's really slotted in at like center back, right center back in the three. Yeah, when we play three at the back, right. And his he has been a pretty integral component of that three man back line. His flexibility affords a lot of options, I think, in how we can play or how we want to play. I don't see how you could spin this as anything but a pretty big potential loss, right. Yeah, we have Andres Reyes, but for some odd reason, Gerhard Schubert doesn't trust him with 90 minutes. I guess he's not fit enough yet. Who knows? Right. Who the fuck knows with Gerhard Schubert sometimes? But somehow fit enough to play in a friendly against fucking Barcelona. Against Barcelona, right? Yeah, what the fuck, man? <laughs> uh, not gonna lie, I, 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 I would be pretty pissed off if, we, if he does end up going back to Stoke. So... Uh, it's not looking good here, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> not. Not good. Ay, ay, ay. Unless, mean, be... unless Jochen Schneider is like going to like drop drop the mixtape at midnight That's of all these like signings, but I don't, I've never seen that happen before. So We don't seem to be headed in that direction. You know, that's, uh, that's kind of another thing that I miss about KT, right, is uh, just being able to drop a big signing out of nowhere. Right, like you heard nothing, and then like 48 hours before it happened, it's like, oh, Red Bulls are interested in trading for Frankie Amaya. I'm like, oh, wait, hold on, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Bring me back to those days, man. I just feel like pure shit right now. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you think... Uh, do you think Jokic Schneider knows anything about MLS transfer rules or like the... Or does he think he has to learn all about stuff? Again? I'm just thinking, like, like when you start a new job, do you spend, like, the first, like, couple weeks just, like, learning how to do the job? And, like, does Jokin have to do that? I'd imagine he has to. It's either that or, like, this is how Dennis is still gainfully employed, right? Because he says, don't worry, Jokin, they'll figure all that stuff out for you. <laughs> right, don't worry. I know what Tam is. Yeah. I know what the allocation order is. I know who every team's discovery rights are. And Schneider's just like, this league is fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, uh, 
Then again, like the, the, this is the guy who signed Weston McKinney, so I think he's uh, who we have to blame for all this bullshit, don't we? Oh uh, lord. He 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 did this. It's his fault. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, uh, to, to cut a long story short, it doesn't really seem right now that reinforcements are on their way. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Simultaneously, um, we had a week transfer window where we signed all of our key players, but also, like, we are now entering this window not doing anything, getting thinner on the squad sheet, getting thinner on the team sheet, and uh, nothing's actually being done to address it. <laughs> really? uh, the only major moves so far is that we got dead weight off the books, which um, had already, for the most part, happened over the last couple of years anyway. Right? It was just the last remnants of the 2020 signings that are gone now, and they weren't really playing much of a factor into the season anyway. So, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. It's... Uh, it's definitely just uh, have have beers and have fun with your friend season for me. So yep. I implore all of you, just crack open a couple beers and go have fun with your friends at the game. Uh, we'll see you back in fall, I guess, to see if uh, what the playoff run is going to look like. And then I don't know where we go from there, really. Uh, yeah. It's a... Uh, it's a rough one, folks. What else can we possibly say? Do you have anything else you want to say, or should we just close? I think we can close. <laughs> I think we want to close anyway. It kind of sounds like... Uh, I will see it... you all at the arena soon, hopefully. Not tomorrow. I have a doctor's appointment. And then uh, not, not not next week. I'm seeing Fleet Foxes in concert. And then uh, the not, not, the week at, what, not the week after that, because I'm going to a wedding. But... In four match days, I will see you at the arena. I was gonna say, like, uh, you know, like, uh, was a doctor's appointment and the Fleet Foxes concert sounds like uh, extremely down bad, like, extremely down bad 2010 vibes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so, I was following me. I was following. Exactly. Uh, I think uh, White Winter Hymnal is a is a is a parable for where we find ourselves now, right? Maybe, but their new album is quite uplifting, so. Will we get there? Only time will, will tell. Will we right? get there? I don't know. To quote the, the song Waiting in Waste High Water, uh, uh, of how I feel about this team, and I love you so violent, more than maybe I can choose. <laughs> I just want to turn my, I just want to turn the snow as red as strawberries in summertime with the oh, blood personally right now. <laughs> oh man this is where we are folks uh note to fernando if you could put a uh if you could put i hate myself and i want to die by nirvana as the closing theme for this episode great. <laughs> thank you uh, oh man okay maybe not that serious maybe but... not that. <laughs> please do not uh 
take anything I just said seriously. This is just my way of coping. Okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So he'll see you at the arena. I will, I don't know. Uh, I'll be somewhere. May or may not watch the game. I think I might be at work, to be honest, but hey, it is what it is. You know, I, yeah, so, yeah. I don't think we really have much more to say. Um, so we'll just kind of leave it there. Where do we go from here, folks? The word's coming out all weird. Where are you now? When we need you, Kevin Bellow. <laughs> where should I say Kevin Bellow, or should I say the Red Bull? I don't know. Yeah, where are you now, Red Bull, when we need you? <laughs> uh, uh, MetroFan TV saying goodnight. Bye-bye. We're gonna play football. We're gonna play football, soccer, football, soccer, football, soccer, football, soccer, all around the world, football, soccer, Talking about